0: Mm-hmm. Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we're broadcasting from the top of the Hayburn building in Louisville, Kentucky. Again, uh, I'm K.A. Owens, and uh, you're listening to WFMP-LP Louisville. That's 106.5 FM on your radio dial. And if you want to find out a little bit more about the station, go to forwardradio.org, click on a button, and we're live streaming now. You can listen to us uh, anywhere in the city, anywhere in the state, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. Folks, we're blessed and favored to have Michael T. here with us today. Michael T. is a actor, writer, playwright, activist, and kind of man, man of the world. So uh, uh, welcome again to our show, Michael T. Well, thank you for inviting me. Folks here, uh, today we're here to talk about uh, the legacy, the impact, the significance of the the great uh, actor Sidney Poitier, uh, who just died. You know, uh, Sidney came literally from nowhere to have one of the biggest careers ever in Hollywood and also did some activism around the civil rights era, uh, as a, noted as an actor and also directed as well. So... Uh, Michael, uh, from your point of view, uh, how would you sort of typify or uh, explain the legacy of Sidney Poitier, particularly to a lot of these young people out here today who who may not really understand who Sidney Poitier was and what he meant to, for, for black folks?
1: Yes, sir. Well, I think uh, first and foremost... Sidney Poitier's legacy is a legacy of persistence in the face of great odds. When you think about when he emerged as as an artist in America in the, I believe it was the 1940s or early 50s, (coughs) behind the Jim Crow curtain, in an era where you know, we were really living under a totalitarian system, a system that had uh, succeeded our enslavement for centuries. And now by the time that Sidney Poitier was born in the 20s, behind the Jim Crow curtain, had uh, become an adult and was uh, trying to uh, be a working artist, we were still under uh, a very uh, white nationalist state and general oppression where African Americans were being lynched in the 40s and 50s on a regular basis. So I cite that as, you know, to point out the environment in which he emerged. And when we look at, his career overall, I mean, uh, you know, a poor black man who grew grown up in... Uh what country was at the
0: well. He was actually he was born in Merge. Miami, and, uh, and his family is from the, the Bahamas. So he was raised to so his teenage years, and he came back to Miami because he had family here in the states. And then he decided to make that move, but basically, partly because of the racism he felt in uh, in Florida at that time, and then yes. he thought it would be better and and him more opportunity if he went north. So he went to uh, Harlem.
1: Yes. And just by the way, I, my second honeymoon, I spent a week in the Bahamas. Uh, <laughs> that's another whole story. But uh, yes, and when he came back to the United States, I mean, he was living as a poor man for a number of years, uh, low income, and he went to New York, um, again, trying to... Uh, pursue an acting career joined the army just to eat he was hungry yes yes and again the legacy is his persistence in spite of those odds but i think it was um he was kind of in the right place at the right time because it was at that particular period where several other things are going on Um, this is the post-world war ii period where there had been a major global fight against fascism. And there was no people more uh, beset by fascism uh, called racism in, in in the United States. And it wasn't lost on people, many people of all colors, that the U.S. had allowed fascism and racism and all other types of negativisms to permeate the culture from day one. In spite of the fact that all people were supposed to be equal, so after World War II, in order to save face in its own history, the United States there was a there was an opening up sort of you know, and it was impacted by the reemerging civil rights movement post World War II that was demanding our recognition of our citizen and human rights. So, in a way, as bad as it was, this is the whole dialectics of history, it was also probably one of the best times to be pursuing anything as a black person. And I think that, and what has always amazed me, is that in the 1950s, while we were still under, you know, the, the the thumb of Jim Crow, Sidney Poitier was able to carve out a great acting career. I mean, this guy was playing leading roles in a period where no black person or rarely any person of color had a chance to to play. I mean, and the art the artistic institutions and the entertainment industry in the in the twentieth century became a major factor in the whole racist scheme of things. I mean, it became a big industry. I mean there was no great entertainment industry in the in the nineteenth century. I mean there was entertainment, but the entertainment was Jim Crow. You that was the primary entertainment of Americans in the 19th century. So then we move into the 20th century and we see, you know, Jim, um, uh, Jim Crow uh, minstrel shows still going on that went on. Shows that actually made fun of black people, caricatures of black people, uh, images and artistic presentations that made us look like imbeciles, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, for, for people, all people to laugh at us. That change started changing post World War II, with, um, you know, the, the, the necessity to save face. To for America to show that hey, we're not that racist as we used to be, and then you see a personality like Sidney Poitier emerge. But of course, what's also interesting is that why was he the only one? What, what, how did he and what formula did he use? or came along with that that allowed him to be the only black actor in the 1950s. Remember, up to that time, there had been none who was playing leading roles, not playing buffoons or or, or, uh, porters and janitors. He was playing leading roles or butlers. He Mm -hmm. was playing leading roles, not even taking minor roles in the 1950s. So that's quite an accomplishment like right there. I mean, it took another 20 years to get black people to even get leading roles, and that's still a struggle to this day. But uh, somehow Sidney Poitier was, had managed to carve out a career where he was recognized as a leading actor in the 1950s, and I find that uh, very impressive and a lesson for all of us.
0: Yes, indeed. And so just a struggle to survive day to day in uh, in living hand to mouth until, uh, you know, things got better, opportunities opened up. Uh, That's what's fascinating. Uh, You know, of course, (coughs) Sydney working as a janitor at the American Negro Theater in uh, New York City in exchange for acting lessons after having been rejected, because his uh, spoken English was pretty much indecipherable at that time as a, as a mm-hmm. young man to Americans. So he had to work on his spoken English yes. and his ability to read, just to read. Yes, yes, that and, persistence. And so uh, uh, so very little formal education, just a yes. lot of ambition. Yes. Yes. Uh, 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 and then this sort of uh, wherewithal uh, to carve out a career for himself, when essentially he had no role models.
1: Yes, and I think another significant factor, which I alluded to, was that he aligned himself with the reemerging civil rights movement, which was a great move on his part, and I think he was sincerely dedicated to it. You know, like Harry Belafonte, who was his contemporary. They they both. Kept a firm alliance with the movement, and I think that the movement in turn supported them, and played a big role in his, um, you know, career, um, because you know he took, I, I'd say he took most opportunities to um, promote the struggle of his people, and I think that's an important lesson. This is not about. You know, becoming successful and turning your back on your people—you use that success to elevate the struggle of your people.
0: Yes. So, uh, and folks, if you ever get any uh, time, uh, go up on YouTube, and uh, uh, you can find these where it's like there's Sydney recognizing Arabella Belafonte or Helen Fonte. Uh, uh, recognizing Sydney at various award shows, mm-hmm. and, and it's just worth going back and listening to them talk about each other and their yeah. friendship and some of the things they went to went through, uh, you know, on their, as they were following their destiny. Uh, so uh, it's such an important history to, to not to uh, to not uh, be forgotten. So, uh, so 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 Sydney has this tremendous. Success, uh, not only symbolic as far as uh, being a, a black leading man, and uh, uh, and but having pictures that were financially successful. Yes. I mean he was the biggest box office draw, nineteen sixty seven. Yes, I, I mean, remember uh, that. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, guess who's coming to dinner? Uh, 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 let's see. Uh, Guess who's coming to dinner in the heat of the the night? night That's one of my favorites. All came out in the the same year. And so not only was the guy uh, sort of symbolically important to black folks, but as far as the business he was in, he made money.
1: Yes, and I think he reached his highest heights in the 60s, having started in the. In the fifties in film, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know his career continued on, not quite as big into the seventies and eighties, where he showed his talents as a director. Um, But uh, by that time, you know he had already pretty much carved out his legacy. And uh, and another interesting thing about Sidney is that he didn't really play too many of those quote unquote black exploitation movies that's what i liked about it when you look back at his career he did not he, you know he was a big star at that time where he mm-hmm. didn't have to do that but you know there were some who did mm-hmm. but he pretty much avoided those films now in saying that it's not to say that all of those films were useless or no good I mean some of those films uh, were the vehicles for a lot of black movie careers Uh, a lot of them were poor quality (laughs) but uh, if you look back on Sidney Poitier's career he may have played one or two but he does not owe his success in any way to the quote unquote black exploitation uh, genre and I think that's another feather in his cap um and uh most of his work was quality work i mean this guy i mean he uh he he, he, was, he was amazing
0: oh uh so yes uh he he uh, began directing uh let's his, do it again he uh, <laughs> uh directed richard Pryor, uh the, gene, the richard Pryor, gene wilder movie stir crazy I he, didn't know uh, that he directed book and the preacher which is another starred, great one him and a great Avante, message <laughs> and uh, also directed the bill cosby comedies uptown saturday night yes. and let's let's do it again and
1: he starred in them. you know he played significant roles in them
0: so uh so uh, uh you know he was uh, a man of many talents uh, of course he's written uh, memoirs which yes. are ver- uh, well worth reading uh and I just wish uh, more young people today, because I'm trying to see the the linkage. There was such a big drop off between. Oh, just as a note, uh, when you talk about black exploitation, uh, you know, Melvin Van Peebles made Sweet Sweetback, which some people say is the first black exploitation, but it really mm-hmm. wasn't. Mm-hmm. Sweet Sweetback mm-hmm. was sort of a, a, a actually a high art film, really in a real sense. And uh, what the Hollywood took sort of Bits and pieces from how uh, Melvin Van Peebles was able to be successful. What Hollywood they they stripped, they stripped all the political.
1: That's the key.
0: Uh, the <laughs> political aspects of what Melvin Van Peebles did with Sweet Sweetback, and then turned it into something else.
1: Yes, almost Where, new minstrel shows. <laughs> well, almost, <laughs> it turned it into
0: something that could 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 be box office. Uh, and that you could make money with. Yes. In other words, you could have a, a low-budget film and not pay the actors as much as they needed to be paid, <laughs> and still make a whole lot of money by yes. stripping out the political content. Yes. But if you had a movie, black exploitation means that a movie where black people can uh, can get in fights with white people and win, but the white the white people that they beat up have to be sort of. Italian American gangsters. Yes. In other words, you can't beat up white elites. You can't beat up Wall Street. You can't go against the the real enemy. Yeah. But you can beat up, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, gangsters. White, yeah. You know, white gangsters. And, and the, the key the thing, thing. Is, is, what you said. That's though. what was acceptable. Yes. For but, and whereas, if you look at uh, in the heat of the night, hmm. uh, when the rich white man slapped. Uh, the, the Sydney yes. uh character and Sydney slapped him back. That wasn't a gangster. That was a white elite, and yes. so Sydney slapped at the the highest cast white man in that small town.
1: You know that was uh, um, improvised. It was in the original script. Um, the uh, the sheriff um, slaps him, and he's just supposed to take it. And he said he decided he was going to slap him back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they asked him why he did He said, I, I think that would have been my natural reaction. Mm-hmm. He slapped me. I slapped him back.
0: Mm-hmm. But it was the rich white <laughs> landowner that, uh, that that actually that, that slapped uh, Sydney. Right? Oh, that's
1: who it was? Okay. Yeah, it was the rich yeah, white. Yeah, I remember uh, the slapping, yeah.
0: Yeah rich white man, and then the sheriff sees it, and, oh, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. then the rich white man says to the sheriff, you're going to let him do that yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. You're going to let
1: him do that. Uh, he's in law enforcement.
0: Yeah. And so uh, uh, Rod Steiger played the Rod sheriff. Rod Steiger, exactly. And uh, I tell you, nobody played the southern white man like, like Rod Steiger, and, uh, and, uh, but he understood what it means that... Uh, uh, yeah, to be the sheriff of a small and town. And again, I mean, you know, small Sidney town. played roles yeah. that made us
1: proud. He mm-hmm. played dignified black people
0: mm-hmm.
1: and people that anybody could appreciate. Mm-hmm. And that has been a major struggle
0: mm-hmm.
1: or a part of our struggle, even getting images in the media that consistently do that. Mm-hmm. You know, either they're laughing at us, making fun of us, you know, or you know, amazed at our great athletic ability, but mm-hmm. thinking dignified humans mm-hmm. with powers—an image we rarely see.
0: Mm-hmm. So, if you look at it, in the heat of the night, he played a police detective from Philadelphia, as I recall. And now the thing about being a police detective, or being—you don't have to have a college degree to be a policeman back in those days, or oh, yeah. even today. Yeah. And so, but you know, if you're a, a little bit smarter than the average street cop, then you get promoted from patrolman to sergeant to detective. Yeah. And so he—he he played somebody people could identify with—not a doctor, not a lawyer, not a scientist. Even though he played all of those. He things. He played all of those. <laughs> Uh, eventually, yes, mm-hmm. but in this movie, yeah. he played somebody who who was intelligent, who had worked his way up in the police department mm-hmm. to become a detective. Yes. Then he goes down south by mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. You know, in the south is, uh, you know, dangerous, yeah. you know, and even for a black man with or without a suit. And yes. sometimes it's more dangerous when you've got a suit on because white folks say, What are you doing with yeah. that suit on?
1: Yeah. Who he, told you you can wear And he was? always kept his dignity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so, uh, and so he comes down to the south, and, he, and he's got skills. Mm. He's a highly skilled detective, yes. And uh, uh, he's got skills, so uh, he's applying his skills uh, against this, uh, 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 this this wall of uh, white racism. Yes, and he just wins over people through his character, and, and because he knows yes. his business. He knows his business. I mean, Rod Steiger looks at him. Rod Steiger plays the white police chief uh, and says, mm, you know, the guy kind of knows what he's talking about.
1: Yeah, It yeah. just
0: becomes clear Yeah, uh, uh, that he's a strong guy and uh, yeah. he knows what he's talking about.
1: And that image was so important. I mean, people got to take it lightly today, but yeah. in the 1960s,
0: yeah.
1: that's what's so important because still in the 1960s, and this blows people's minds. And in the fifties, when Emmett Till was killed, um, our manhood and womanhood was not recognized. White people still called us boy. And for a black person to come down there and say, "You call me Mister Tibbs," that was revolutionary. <laughs> exactly,
0: and people just don't realize uh, uh, the impact today. And it's funny. I wonder if we kind of if we kind of went backwards and then went forwards. I mean. Uh, some people might say that with the quote unquote black exploitation, but in a sense, black exploitation, that is, here's the thing. We talk about Melvin Van Peebles in his movies. Melvin Van Peebles was an alter, and because he was sort of locked out by Hollywood, he came up with his own business plan where yeah. he made money. Mm-hmm. And so the pictures that came after Melvin Van Peebles, you know, aimed at a black and a white market with, with, with quote-unquote black movies, they weren't necessarily the product of black entrepreneurs. Yeah. They were the product of Hollywood, yeah.
1: you know. Uh, Exploiting us, that's what he call right. It, exploitation. Right. Misrepresenting us, depoliticizing
0: it, yeah. and that's key. Yeah. You know,
1: depoliticizing. Well, well,
0: there was some, I mean, a lot of those things where, you know, where the blacks were fighting against, you know, white gangsters, and so for have blacks standing up against a white anything, yeah, uh, was somewhat, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's like are you, it's okay to punch a white person. As long as they're in the mob, yeah. Yes,
1: yeah, so as if the mob is our main problem. Exactly, exactly. As, <laughs> it, as if the
0: mob is like kicking our butts in Mississippi, yeah. Alabama. It's not Georgia. the
1: government's local, state, and national and government policies. It's the mob and Wall
0: Street. <laughs> and Wall Street, right?
1: <laughs> but the mob—they're they're the junior partners.
0: Exactly. That, best. Well, actually, the, the mob is sort of a lower-class whites. Yeah, uh, actually striving against the evil and corrupt yeah, system. Yeah, that's all it was. And that is when you yeah. when you look at it, the whole war against or- organized crime is. It's like saying Wall Street saying, you know, these lower class white people have too much money, put them in jail. Yeah. But uh, that was the war on us. And <laughs> if you yeah.
1: notice, most of those black exploitation movies, they were very critical of the movement. It always portrayed the movement and movement people as ultimately insincere and ingenuine. You know, weren't really ever dedicated to the movement. And I think that contributed to some of the cynicism that set in in the 70s and continue to grow to this day that, uh, I mean, you can't trust, you know, uh, anybody in the movement. Ultimately, they're out for their own ends and only individual heroes is who. We can trust, and I think that uh, you know that was, and partly by design. Plus, you know,
0: was, they they made money. There was a limited <laughs> understanding of the people who were making the movies too. Yes. But uh, uh, so, so folks, uh, uh, the great Sydney Potier is passed on. I will encourage you, folks, check out the movies, but two just to get a flavor of, of Sydney go get up on YouTube and get any kind of conversation with Kit uh with Sydney, interview with Sydney, uh 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 Harry Belafonte talking about Sydney. Try to get a flavor of those guys and what they were going through.
1: And rewatch her Raisin in the Sun, which I think was his best one of all time.
0: And so uh Uh, Yes. Yes. What they were going through. And it's amazing that guys at the top of their game, like Sidney and Harry, were willing to take a risk with their name, reputation and their wealth to support the movement when it was very, very dangerous to do so. When people were getting assassinated for... Uh, for for supporting the movement when uh, there was a white actress by the name of Jean Seberg and she yes. supported the civil rights movement and rights for American Indians and the FBI deliberately yeah, and deliberately. purposely drove her to the edge of insanity. They released uh, information. They spied on her, did everything they could do to break her down because they felt that having a white woman of her stature support civil rights was dangerous. Mm. So J. Ed, J. Edgar Hoover personally was in on uh, 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 you know driving Gene Seberg down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's just what people were going through back in the uh, in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was dangerous to take a stand mm-hmm. uh, It was risky to your career mm-hmm. to take a stand. Also it said that what Sydney never never did he never. Uh, you know, back in the blacklist era, he never testified against anybody, never took any oaths or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, Because that was another thing that was going on in the 50s when they were Mm -hmm. accusing everybody of communism and Mm -hmm. who was going to take the stand and testify against other people Mm -hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: somehow he managed to evade that. I mean, and I think that's probably what suppressed uh, Harry Belafonte's career. You know, because he he had jumped out there, you know, before uh, Sidney, and for some reason, he never really blew up real big as a uh, a household name, you know, or got the fame that that Sidney Poitier got. I mean, he could act and sing, had big hits, but you know, his acting career never really blew up. And I think part of that is because he was so openly <laughs> allied with the civil rights movement.
0: That is that is true. Uh yeah uh yeah sydney and uh and martin dr King were very close and uh, yes they all were you know so uh and it's just amazing that, that uh uh that our young people don't understand the tr- the the nature of these these relationships that existed at one time and just how important they were uh uh it's reading uh, that is in New York uh like the drummer Max Roach and his wife at that time Ab- Abby I Abby mean, Lincoln were sort of s- central to sort of a, a radical progressive community <coughs> in New York and used to have hold a lot of meetings at their house and uh, a lot of young people just don't uh, just don't realize just what it took to have a movement mm, yeah. uh, so uh and that and there were things that uh, that that people knew that are kind of being lost to history so I encourage people to uh, uh, uh to read up on uh on Sydney Padier, just what it took. And uh so folks we're here with uh uh Michael T uh, talking about the the legacy of Sydney Padier and uh and so uh Michael in a minute or less what do you think uh uh young folks can learn from Sydney?
1: I think um, artistic integrity, uh importance of Political activism and uh, maintaining your dignity, because that's so important.
0: So, folks, uh, you're listening to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens. I've been blessed and favored to have Michael T. as our guest today, talking about the legacy of uh, the late Sidney Poitier, who just recently passed away, the actor, director, activist. And uh, just what that all meant to black folk and to uh, the nation, the country as a whole. Uh, So, folks, uh, uh, again, this is On the Edge with K.A. Owens uh, on 106.5 FM. And we will be back next week.